salutations and shit guys welcome 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 to another episode of travel and shit your new favorite travel podcast where i your host d carry more of an experiential conversation on travel versus a um destination based conversation although the places we go are incredible the experiences that we have and the memories and life lessons we learn along the way are all the more interesting to me so um, I'll jump right into it because I've gotten over hearing myself do the little commercials in the beginning. So this week we're getting to the point. I have a guest, my beautiful guest. Would you please introduce yourself? Hi, um, I'm Sadie Jordan. I'm founder um, and operator of Soul Life Travel. Um, we design tours, multi-day packages where you take care of your accommodations, your transportation, um, some activities and some meals in the Afro-Caribbean area of the Caribbean coast of Costa Rica. Um, though we do multi, we do everywhere in Costa Rica, we primarily focus on the forgotten, the once forgotten area of the Caribbean coast. Okay. So I'm like excited to be here and let you know about what we do and who we serve and a bit about my culture too. Okay, so we'll start there. First of all, thank you for um, thank you for being here. I appreciate you chatting with me. Uh, let's start with who you are. Like, why is this of importance to you? Okay, um, so I am Afro Latinx. So my family, my mother is from Costa Rica. She was born there. Um, my father is African American. And when I grew up in Hartford, Connecticut, or where I was born in Hartford, Connecticut, there were absolutely no Costa Ricans there. It was just my family. Um, I was raised around a lot of Dominicans, a lot of Puerto Ricans who had a very strong culture okay. and a very strong influence on who I am today. Um, but I always wanted to know more about the Costa Rican culture because that's where my family came from. Right. Um, in 2007, I was living in Georgia. I was kind of young, lost, just enjoying the Atlanta nightlife. I'm not going to lie, a little too much. Um, <laughs> it was like the height of trap music. And I just thought I was like going to just live this life, right? Trap star. And um, I, I got into a really bad car accident that was life-threatening. Um, I had four broken ribs, broken collarbone, all of these things. And I really didn't know where my life was going. I had these incredible women in my life and my father who I felt like I had really big shoes to fill, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't have a passion. And my aunt saw this and she said, you know, let's go to Costa Rica for a trip. Um, and I said, okay, it was the first time of me going there as like an adult. And I went and on a whim, we decided to go to the Caribbean coast because some things happened on the Pacific. There was like a flood and okay. we couldn't go. And even my family, even my grandfather who retired in Costa Rica at the time after he worked um, as an immigrant and in, these, in the States for over 30 mm -hmm. years, he was telling us, you know, don't go to the Caribbean side. It's flooding, there's crime. Meanwhile, there was like crime in San Jose, like near where we lived. Don't go to that area. You don't want to go there. It's not going to have fun. 
And we we're like, whatever, there's nowhere else for us to go. So we just have to take our chance. Right. And we went, he never said, and this is kind of what happens when you're in Costa Rica. No one ever says what it really is. And it really is about that there's like a ton of black people there. Right. <laughs> um, and the, the secret, it's like the secret of like the weather, you know, the crime. And they don't say, oh, there's like a ton of black people in that area. And I went there, didn't know, came from this Costa Rican family and was like dumbfounded that everyone there looked like me. Like no one in my family looks like me type of like Europeanist, um, they're lighter. They definitely look like the standard Latinx that you see, right? In the media. And so I stick out everywhere I go okay. um, with my family. Okay. And so to go somewhere and, and to finally feel like not a minority, right? To finally feel somewhere at home. Um, I was floored. I was kind of like, wow, this place is incredible. And the people the food was slamming, the best food in the country. The people were incredible. And I said, you know, this is, this is where I want to be. Um, I, I changed my career. I went back to Costa Rica. Um, my little career, I didn't even have really. I was working at a call center. Let me stop. Um, I was going to ask and- you what you were doing. <laughs> I was like working at a call center, but I was like getting through the, through the ranks at the call center. Okay. And it was the height of a recession. And I went home and I said to my mom, I'm going to go and travel around Costa Rica by myself and quit my job. And yeah. How old were you? (laughs) I was, um, I'll say 27. Yeah, I was 27 at the time. Um, well actually, no, I was 28 because it was the year after the accident. Okay. Um, went back to Costa Rica, traveled by myself, planned my little trip. Back then we had like TripAdvisor was like five people on TripAdvisor telling you like, meet at this, you'll see a guy sitting outside next to a tree, like sit there, go there to get on the bus to like Puerto Viejo or the Caribbean side. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's literally how TripAdvisor was. And like, you went there and the guy was sitting there and then you get on the bus. (laughs) Um, the early days. So I, I, um, go to Costa Rica and there's this girl and she tells me that, um, like I'm at a hostel and she tells me, Hey, from Norway, she's like, Hey, can I use your computer? Right. Um, and I said, yeah. So she wanted to do her resume and I'm like, well, what are you going, what are you doing? And she's like, Oh, I, I go to school for travel tourism. And I'm like, there's a degree for that. Sign me up. I get home, that's what I'm going to do. Um, so I, I packed up my car, packed up my dog and cat and, and moved to, um, Boston where I had an aunt mm-hmm. and, um, went to school, went to a community college. They sent me my community college, Bunker Hill community college in Massachusetts. Um, go Bulldogs. They sent me to, um, Namibia in Africa. Like they paid 80% of my trip on my study abroad. Wow. Yeah. And that really opened the door to my career of working in travel tourism. From that, I really uh, catapulted my resume and like worked at some of the best travel companies. A lot of them are here in Boston, which is where I live, Okay. Um, which I did not know. I mean, everything, the stars were lining up. I had no idea that a ton of well-known travel companies were here in Boston already. Um, So I started working at these incredible 
primarily white organizations. I mean, like literally was the only black person there. I believe it. Um, and working, building itineraries from scratch to some remote locations in Africa, um, anywhere from being an intern to creating welcome packets for clients. And I started learning the business uh, and understanding that, you know, you can, you can, there are people who need, just like a cruise ship, right? There are people who need their days planned out. There are people who want to, um, there's a service in that. Yeah. yeah. There's a service in going somewhere and feeling like you have a friend with you that you um, want to know where the best places are, the most unique, authentic experiences. And the companies that I worked for, they really strived to do that. But they had this thing where it was for primarily white clients. Got it. Um, yeah. Right. So. I'm my mother's daughter. My mother, since I was born, she knew she was going to have a black child. She instilled that in me. Even though you're Latina, honey, you are going to be seen as a black woman, black woman first. And I and I really love my mom for that because she gave me this pride of both of my cultures. And I carried that in every room that I went in. So I, I was never one to be quiet. Um, I was always asking questions and I was always... Wondering, you, you know, huh? You didn't shrink yourself. I didn't shrink myself at all. And and doing that, you you really put a target on your back. Mm. Um, you know, you're 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 told, and I live in Boston, where uh, it's a weird place. You know, it's where civil rights movement has a very strong history, but also. It's, you know, my daddy calls it the Mississippi of the North, and, and that's real. Um, so I'm in this place where, yes, you'll get the job, right? But shh, quiet. And so, again, I couldn't be quiet. So um, I, would, I would go into these rooms and say, how come we're going to Paris? And you're not talking about Josephine Baker on these itineraries, like, why don't we talk about that Paris was a black city? I mean, asking all these questions. Yeah, being met with fierce resistance, but still learning, okay? I knew I had to learn the craft and they were doing things right, but they have this whole demographic that they weren't speaking to. Mm -hmm. And when they did speak about us, especially at my last position, working at an educational travel company where we dealt with um, teachers sending their kids or their high school and, and middle school mm -hmm. students abroad, the conversations about black and brown people were always riddled with kind of like a deficit where, oh, they don't have the money or, you know, there were always these barriers that, that were surrounding the conversation instead of an asset-based conversation mm -hmm. where we're talking about, you know, if you put things for black people, we will come like, if you speak to us, we will come. Um, look at the African American Museum. It's 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 the number one museum in D.C. People still go to D.C. to see the monuments, but everyone goes there and sees the African Museum, African American Museum, and that's kind of the conversation I wanted to instill in them, and it just it didn't happen. So, um, COVID happened. Of course, travel industry was gutted. But um, during, right before COVID, maybe in 2019, I started 
thinking I want to create, I, I've already sent people to South Africa on my own with Soul Life Travel, um, Costa Rica and Cuba, places I loved. But I really mm -hmm. felt like something was telling me, I don't know if it was ancestral or what, but it was this voice in my head that just said, you know, focus, 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 hone, just, just bring it in. And I decided to focus on the Caribbean coast because I felt like that was an area in Costa Rica that wasn't highlighted on any, none of the typical Costa Rican circuits, you know, travel circuits. It just wasn't highlighted. And I, and I found, found that to be crazy. Um, so I said, okay, if you don't want to have us at your table, um, then I'll just build my own. And that's what I did. Um, and as I was doing that, COVID happened. And um, I was actually in Asia when the first COVID cases started. Yeah, I was in, I was traveling with the same aunt, who's my little travel companion. I love her so much. Um, we take these romantic vacations all the time <laughs> together. And we're like, <laughs> we're horseback riding sunset on the beach <laughs> we're looking at each other like okay <laughs> where are our partners <laughs> right <laughs> so um we had one of those vacations in thailand and bali mm -hmm. and um it was like my aunt was living at, in china at the time and it was like at the very beginning of covid and and no one thought it was like a big thing they thought it was oh it's just in china mm -hmm. um and i was like running back to the states like phew you know i made it i'm home and then it started like the border started to be closed and I, and I lost my job in of itself. Excuse like, me. That's gotta be scary in and of itself. I think there's some, can you hear me? I feel like there's like yes. a weird. Okay. I was saying that's gotta be scary in and of itself. Just the idea of like trying to outrun um, like a pandemic that is because in, I'm just thinking in terms of like, all the zombie movies on like Netflix. <laughs> like that's that. where my mind is going. And I'm like, oh my God. So there's this crazy illness and it's killing all these people. And I just want to get back to my country. Get me out of here. Like, I'm just thinking like in terms of like <laughs> cinema crap. No, it was. Oh. It really was like that. Um, so because my aunt lived in China, mm -hmm. we, she, I was traveling with someone who, so everyone else, even in Bali, they were just like, okay, well, that's happening in China, okay? So whatever, right? right. Um, but we were like looking for, and it was Chinese New Year. So okay. all the Chinese people were traveling through Thailand and Bali at the same time I was because they get like all these days off mm -hmm. during Chinese New Year. So they knew what was going on. We knew what was going on, but everywhere else around us, they were like, don't worry, it's fine. It's gonna be fine. And then we're like looking for masks and we start noticing that even in Bali, like because all the tourists are buying up the masks. Wow. So we had to like go out into the countryside to find masks. And um, you get like, we're, we're flying through Asia I'm flying through Asia and everyone has a mask. And then you start getting to like Turkey and Europe and people are like, no, no masks are needed. And I get to the States and I'm like, I'm coming out of the airplane. I'm like, yes, I made it. 
I'm, I'm good. And my boyfriend is like, what is wrong with you? Like, why are you? He doesn't even realize like what is happening. Like he doesn't what even. Was this? was this like January, February? It was January. It was in January. So it was definite. It was like the end of the end of January, early February. So I have literally a month, not even a month at work before we're told to go home because we have to um, quarantine. Wow. Then the layoffs, the layoffs start. Like now, question for you, just the backdrop. Yeah. They when you came, when you landed in January, they saw that you were coming from China. There was I, nothing from Asia. I was coming from Asia, yeah, from from Bali. Mm-hmm. So, but they see that you're like, and they they didn't like have you quarantine or they no. medical questions that no. So my aunt though, it's funny because my aunt came. She, you know, she went back to China because she had about a month left in Beijing. She was working there. Mm-hmm. And um, she came back about a couple of weeks after me. She like ran out and she came to stay with me for a couple of weeks to quarantine. Right. Um, they, the CDC definitely called her every day and was like, do you have a temperature? We're calling for your temperature check. But she said in China, um, there were people that actually came to the house to every day to check your temperature. And she said that she felt way more protected um, in China than she did here because she was like, they didn't even like, I just got off the plane. They were like, see you ma'am. And mm-hmm. the CDC mm-hmm. called her. Okay. But that was literally like it. Like, and all you have to do is lie. Right. Right. So, yeah, so that happened. Um, And so I said, you know, I had, I was at a crossroads. I said, I can feel sorry for myself about getting laid off, or I can continue the work that I've been doing for the past year um, Mm -hmm. to work on soul life. And this might just be a blessing for me to continue to rebrand, refocus and um, pivot to what I'm trying to do now. Um, And it's, and it has been a blessing in disguise to give me that clarity and to Mm -hmm. let me just focus on something that I've been working on really since 2014. Um, so that's where we are with that. That's about me. That was long, but that's Sadie in a nutshell. <laughs> hearing that. Thank you. But um, with your company, Soul Life, who exactly do you service and what type of services do you provide that are different from other like travel um, offers? Right. So, um, I say the inclusivity of our company, um, we live it and breathe it every day, right? We just by nature of being a woman, a woman of color run and led company mm-hmm. there, it separates us. This is a game of um, people that are, are starting companies and areas that don't really have that. They don't have the blood in the land. You know, I, I know where my ancestors were buried in that land. Um, and it's very personal for me. So I, everything that I do, I try to infuse that into our tours, mm-hmm. um, and infuse that in, idea into our tours. So when you travel on a soul life tour and you're the type of person that is looking for something authentic, looking for something very unique and looking for something that you're not going to find um, in your typical like package tour, right? Uh, Though we do, we can provide you with these 
package tours, right? Um, we always try to add something that makes you feel like you're traveling with a friend. Okay. Um, you always, you're very well taken care of. I wanted to make sure that my people or my clients who I feel are from the ages of about 27 to 42. I mean, we do the gamut though. That doesn't, that, that doesn't just say that those type of people were going to travel with us. Right. But um, our market is primarily people of color. Um, a, a majority of our market are women just by the nature of travel, a lot more women travel than men. But um, mm -hmm. so looking for help on creating itineraries that are going to speak to them. We offer very customized itineraries. So if you want to change a day on our itinerary, you're able to do that, change an activity. And we wanted to offer this at an affordable cost because I see that, and we wanted to speak to our people, right? Anybody can go on a soul life tour. It's not primarily just people of color, but we mm -hmm. are speaking to our people. Right. Um, if you're an ally, come on, right? Come on, come on to our tours. But this is speaking to our people and the love for our people, both in Costa Rica and both in the rest of the diaspora. Um, you're going to get picked up at the airport. You're going to have all your transportation included on your tour. You're going to have select meals included on your tour, whether that be a lunch that's provided on a tour, um, all your breakfast will be included on the tour. All your hotel accommodations are included and select activities that when you speak to our travel organizer um, and our account managers, you select, you say, hey, yeah, do I want to go hiking that day? No, I want to go right water rafting. So it's really, it's really customized to your wants and needs. Um, and also we work with, <clears throat> we don't work, we work with locals. So some of our tours might be really off the beaten path. Like you might go and one of our most popular tours are our um, lunch farm to table tour, which you actually go into a, onto a farm of a local couple in, in the Caribbean coast and you pick out your own food. And then from that food, the vegetables and, and things that you pick, after you have a tour and you see of, of the traditional medicines that are used with the plants in the garden, you go back and you prepare the meal from the food that you picked and then you eat it in their garden with them at their home. So these are kind of the tours that we provide. Something that you really feel that you are really immersed in the culture. Um, and you're leaving something, the only thing that you leave behind are your footprints and you're really gaining tons of memories that are gonna hold you for a lifetime. So. So question for you. Yeah. I'm comparing everything you said to how I travel. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, all of that is perfect, except for I like staying at Airbnbs. I like to feel like if I want, I can just walk around the neighborhood and not like be seen as a tourist because I'm coming and going into a hotel. So for them, for all intents and purposes, for all intents and purposes, if I keep my mouth shut and don't say anything, I could be visiting family or friends, mm -hmm. and I could be of the community at 
large, if you will. Mm-hmm. So is it a possibility to only book with you guys just like the accommodations end of it? Like if I wanted to do, say I spent a week in um, the area and I wanted you guys to be in charge of figuring out like what I, like telling me what um, offers there are and then picking the day and what this is and that is like, mm-hmm. is that an option? That is an option that would fall into our custom tour. So there is a bit of a more of a premium to that because um, you are not using the accommodations. One thing about the accommodations I will say is, is that we're not using these big box hotels, right? We're using locally run boutique style um, or bed and breakfasts that are like locally run by people in the area. So you are as a, as a traveler there, um, really helping the economy and helping the community. Um, we strive ourselves on not dealing with the chain and chain hotels and because we don't want you to feel like you are like coming in there as a tourist. Uh, you do have the flexibility to walk around and to do your own thing and you still will feel, you still will feel like a traveler instead of like a tourist who's like, oh, there's that person coming from like the Marriott or something with their camera and stuff like that. Like we strive that we don't, um, we don't want, I don't, I don't travel like that. And my clients aren't going to travel like that. Um, We have some that do request those big hotels and okay, I'll give it to you, but that's not really what um, our bread and butter are looking for. Um, But yeah, we can, do, we can go ahead and just do your activities and your transportation. Like I said, our tours are fully customizable. Um, we do prefer that you're doing at least four days or more with our services um, so that you're gaining value as well as us because it can get expensive when you're when you don't have um, the rates that we are providing you. It can get it. It can get very expensive. So for your value to have things more bunched together, um, it'll just make more sense for your pockets as well as ours, to be quite frank. So as long as you're doing like at least four days with our services, whether that be like our transportation and activities on um, that, absolutely, we're absolutely flexible in that area. Now, if someone yeah. had like an extended layover in Costa Rica and because I'm thinking there are but a handful of different destinations that I've been to where I've actually had a full four days mm-hmm. um, or that might be, I would have like four days, but that includes my arrival or departure day as well. So it would like kind of be three full days and like one travel day, if you will. Yeah. But that being said, um, are people able to contact you for um, booking, even though, I understand your reasoning for the four days is something a little bit smaller. And then also do you accommodate for solo travelers? Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm, I'm a solo traveler. I love traveling. I, that's how I started. Um, really my love for travel is really solo traveling. And so I always keep our solo travelers in mind. I work really hard with my suppliers to make sure that Um, I don't know if you know, but like traveling solo sometimes can get really expensive because there's like a supplement that people that like vendors put onto solo travelers and I work really hard. I have tons of relationships. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so 
I have like um, relationships on the ground in Costa Rica and we work really hard to just um, get those supplements non-existent or very low. Um, so work, uh, we love working with solo travelers. We keep that in mind. We, myself and, um, my partners are solo travelers. And as far as like, if you needed a shorter term and you wanted to work with us, we're, we're here to help. We know that not every case is going to be cookie cutter and we're very flexible. I mean, the bulk of our clientele are going to be these longer trips and we have these multi-day tours that are already um set up but there's always going to be like an outlier right and 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 we're there to help also with that so wanting to um be sure to purchase with local vendors or to you know support smaller vendors sometimes it could be a little difficult to um navigate all the resources in another country. Whereas if we had like the point of contact and saying, well, I have a two day layover here or I'm coming into Costa Rica, I'm spending, I'm spending three days in uh, like San Jose or something, but I do want to be able to do a day or two in this beautiful space. But while I'm there, I don't, I would love if my money can go to someone that looks like me or someone right. that is, you know, just more um ingrained with my culture versus you know somebody from who knows wherever that just decided to come to costa rica and open a business there right so um I yeah think knowing that there's a point person that you can trust that will ensure that you're supporting people that you want to support is helpful yeah absolutely and even if like there's something that we can't do we're oh we have like tons of resources on the exactly. ground that we can point you in the right direction even you know even giving you some suggestions on what to do even if it doesn't serve us it still serves the community and we're open and flexible to do that um yeah that's something that we're open to that's good to know yeah. um i know the only time well I, I don't know if it was the first or the only i want to say let's say the first because i feel like i may have heard of it again but i think the first time i heard of there actually being like a black side to costa rica was i think it was evelyn from the internet um, it was a black um, influencer on either YouTube or something. Yeah. They had gone to like a yoga retreat. Mm -hmm. on, um, and what is it? It's the Southern coast. Is it? Um, yeah. It's the Southern Caribbean coast of mm -hmm. Costa Rica. Yes. They have black beach sands out there. Yes. Yes. Playa Negras is very popular. Mm -hmm. I brought it and was sold. And I was like, Oh, and there's a yoga retreat. Now I ain't that yes. big yoga. I just got back into it. This oh, that's awesome. summers ago, but in my <laughs> mind, I'm like, that would be the perfect catalyst to get back into yoga. Yeah. And at the time I'd never been to a black sand beach either. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, Oh, blackly black folks. Yeah, that black beaches and black has yoga. Like I, right. I gotta be there. <laughs> I right. felt so jip because when I went, it was I just knew that it was so far, and I ended up staying in San Jose for like a week. And it's funny because I was just saying to somebody the other day, I feel like Costa Rica ends up being the forgotten blip on my list of travel locations until I think about everything that I did there, and I'm like. I had every single thing I did was absolutely incredible. Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. went to, um, to Rubari, um, nice. did the zip lining there. When I tell you that was one of the best days of my life. I had the, like, 
is zipping over the freaking jungle. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. And then right. I did the horseback riding. Mm-hmm. Most incredible views. And what is it? It's Aranal? Like the volcano? Yes. I mean, I saw your pictures, honey. I'm like, this this woman's been everywhere in the country. Like I you for that time of you would never know that you were in San Jose because you look like you were like all over the country. So kudos to you. I ended up seeing more than I thought. I, and it's just like, I don't understand why it doesn't resonate. Like I did the Baldi hot springs, which was cool. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't cool because I'm looking at everybody else kind of like booed up and I'm like, right. <laughs> they don't tell you that in the guide, right? They don't tell you that you like, you literally are taking selfies with the couple, like, like going past you kissing and you're yeah. like, really? So it was like <laughs> a beautiful exotic destination. Yeah. Um, so it was so it was nice. But then beforehand we had done like the climb up um Aranal and then you look at like the lake and so it there was mm-hmm. so many even the museum out there, oh my gosh, I didn't know that Costa Rica had all that black history. Yeah. I'm one of those people that reads all the placards. I read all the templates and I'm just like, I'm in it. And I'm like, oh, this is insane. Why right. am I so like, why is this news? Like it was, I was dumbfounded and it was just a beautiful, beautiful museum slash. Mm-hmm. I think they have like um, a butterfly atrium or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And it was just, listen, everything about and I'm so glad that I, I I was gonna do like a beach day and I don't remember where it was but I was looking at the weather and I was just like eh, and I knew I was gonna get the money back so it was a little bit of a ah like I'm mm-hmm. fighting here but I ended up doing the Turubari trip that day and I'm so glad I'm so glad you did that so yeah glad. and I was even mentioning it I was I mentioned I can't remember what his name was I had a driver that was so bomb. I'm going to share his information with you since mm-hmm. you're out there. Right. Just so that if for some reason you need a driver, check in with him, make sure mm-hmm. he hasn't lost his marbles or nothing. But when I tell <laughs> you, like I sat up front the whole ride from San Jose to Tuubari, just chopping it up the whole time. So Benny, his name is Benny. Benny. Okay. <laughs> Such a gem. Benny is the gem. I really enjoyed that drive. Una vida, Benny. <laughs> yes, I'm gonna send. You, I'm gonna make sure to send you his information because every yeah. like every couple of months, I go through my wallet and I find his card, and so I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I, I gotta reach out. Just I don't know if he'll remember me, but I'll give it a shot anyway. But what was the other thing? So, other than like, how has COVID changed things for your company? How are people able to or are they able to travel to Costa Rica now like what have you what was it like in the beginning of COVID and then what all is you know developing um I would say that at the beginning of COVID people were still itching to like get to Costa Rica and I feel like people are still itching to go but it's it's more so like how can we get out of the state right so like (laughs) it's the conversation is kind of changing from we want to just travel there to how do we also relocate there? Um, so that's like one of the things I would say in the in the black community that I the black travel community of the conversations that I've had, um, that's where the the conversation is going. Um, I always try to let COVID really destroyed a lot of the tourism in Costa Rica to be to be frank, and especially in the Caribbean coast. Um, because they primarily need tourism to survive. Like that's their export is, is tourism. Um, and so the, it, it's definitely had devastating impacts on that area where like places have closed down. Um, and we felt 
some of the hit, like we would be able to get itineraries to people like within 24 hours. And now we're like, is that hotel open? Like I'm talking with my partners on the ground and we're like, Hey, are we able to do that tour? Um, but the people of the Caribbean are very resilient and they figure out ways to get things done. So um, they're really excited about having tourists come back and having travelers come back. They're ready. They um, are ready to go. I, if people are looking to go, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm sending clients. I'm, I'm looking forward to sending more people in 2021 just so that we can see what's going on on the ground and have more of a sense of um, what the people, not only the people there are dealing with, but what our clients are going to deal with when they go. As of today, um, as of well, as of October first, uh, people from like New York, New Jersey, Maine, uh, Massachusetts, um, I believe that yeah, Vermont, Virginia, the District of Columbia, Colorado, Pennsylvania, Wyoming, a ton of states are able now to go to Costa Rica. Yes, uh, I'll read them off. I have them listed here. So Washington. Oregon, Arizona, New Mexico, Michigan, Rhode Island, California, Ohio. Um, like I said, New Jersey, Maine, Connecticut, New Hampshire, Vermont, Maryland, Virginia, and DC can now travel. There are some restrictions to travel um, or regulations. You must have a negative COVID test within 72 hours of traveling. Now, my question um, about that, yeah. is it 72 hours from when you take the test or 72 hours from when you get the results? Because I, like, I know I've gotten a test and each, I got two tests actually so far and my results, thank God I can make negative each time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they took like three to five days in the window. So how do you gauge when to even right. take your test for travel? That's a really good question. Um, they they state that 72 hours before travel. So you must have a negative result at least 72 hours before travel. Got it. Okay. Um, so that's their rule. Now, if you get one and it's earlier than 72 hours, then you must do your test again. So where you're going and... It, it must be within that three-day window. So you've got to get your answer within three days of traveling. It's yes, a negative test. Take the test. Right. You have to get your answer. So if the doctor tells you it might take three to five days, your best bet is to just go for what's going to be four days before your trip. And right. it'll still give you within that set because it can't be longer than the It can't be longer than the 72 hours. You just got to plan it as best as you can, I guess, and make mm -hmm. it make sense. So yeah. think, like, do you have to take a test again when you arrive in Costa Rica or? No, you don't have to take one when you arrive, but you do need to have a medical declaration that you can get from your doctor um, that is going to say that they declare with your negative COVID test that you're in good health, that you don't have any symptoms and that you haven't been sick with COVID, et cetera, like things like that. Um, you're also, I was going to say, that's mad work, but yeah. I like that. So yeah. That if I show up, I feel a little bit better about knowing that the other travelers that are there have mm -hmm. done it their best that they can humanly do to ensure right. that they're keeping themselves and, you know, the other people that they'll be around safe. Right. Like, you guys, um, 
Are they wearing masks in Costa Rica or social distancing? Yes, know. social distancing, masks, washing the hands, um, all of these things. Uh, you don't have any restrictions, which is great on, on movement in Costa Rica, like you might see in other countries um, where you're not allowed, even like in Puerto Rico, like recently, like people weren't even allowed on the beaches. Um, that That's not happening in Costa Rica as of now. Um, it was happening a few weeks ago, but as of now, October 1st, it's not um, happening where you are restricted in your movement. You can go anywhere. Um, you just need to take those precautions of having your mask, social distancing. Um, another thing that we like to highlight um, is that you need to have travel insurance. Now I'm a big, anywhere I go, like I get travel insurance, but a lot of us, like we're not getting the travel insurance. <laughs> um, not just on your ticket. tickets. Um, do you guys do airline tickets as well? Like, do you help? We don't do airline tickets. That's the responsibility of the client. But just because we don't have contracts as of yet with the major airlines, but um, we do provide help on what recommendations on what time you should arrive, what ticket you should buy. And we don't leave you in the wind of like, oh yeah, just look on kayak or something. We might walk Mm -hmm. you through what is the best flight that's going to work for your price point as well as um, time of arrival. Gotcha. Gotcha. Because I know that's one of the steps in my mental planning for myself that I usually take the longest to make a decision based on. And it's so many different questions I ask and so many different factors. But once I narrow it down and make it make sense, right. then I know exactly what to choose and what is going to be in my, what's going to be in my best interest. Because right. you know, arrival time, huh? Mm-hmm. Right. Make a break. So, yeah. So if you want your itinerary to work well, you know, make sure that you arrive at 2 p.m. so that we can pick you up. And depending on what your itinerary looks mm-hmm. like, based off of our standard itineraries that we have, um, if you're looking to go to Arinal, like to see the volcano that day, then you want to arrive at, by the latest 2 p.m. Um, and we, we go over things like that. And during the planning stages, we're with you from the beginning of your planning all the way until when you come back. Um, we're, we're there holding your hand and there with you to, to go over all these things. Um, one, two things about the new regulations or to go into Costa Rica too. Um, you must have travel insurance and that travel insurance, which people are not, they're not being told. And we make sure that we're very up to date on what, what's going on in the ground to make sure that our clients are covered with all the insurance they need. One of the things that people are missing, um, is that they need a, a supplemental insurance to take care of lodging in case you get COVID while in Costa Rica or need to quarantine for whatever reason. So on top of your travel insurance, you must have an insurance that covers, that insurance that you're getting must also cover, I think it's up to a thousand or $1,500 of accommodation insurance um, to cover if anything, God forbid, was to go wrong and you have to stay within the country. So that's very important. And that's something that you know, working with a travel planner that that can really help you because that's something that, you know, you might miss and then you get there and you can't you can't come in the country. And that's what I'm <laughs> that step. you once you get there saying if you don't have it. And to be clear, this travel insurance is not the same as the uh, airfare 
insurance. Like when you buy your ticket, they ask, would you like to add insurance? That's no. not the same. Like that's not the same travel insurance from mm -hmm. insuring your flight. Question. Do you know if generally, if you were to purchase travel insurance, that it covers your flight? Um, it depends on the company that you are going to work with. It may cover, um, it may have a partnership with that airline, but typically uh, to be safe, like unless you know, unless you call and, and find out if they have a partnership with that airline, which a lot of them don't, um, then you want to go through your airline. It's sometimes it is easier just to go through your airline because it's a one-stop shop when you're dealing with it's usually like 20% of your tickets. Yeah. Right. Or something. Right. And then my question for you is, do you um, offer, I guess, consulting with choosing the insurance? Because that's one of the things, like, I yes. think that I go with like Travel Alliance, mm -hmm. I think is the yeah. company that I've booked with. Mm -hmm. And I haven't had any, thank God I haven't had any reasons to need insurance to begin with, right. but it, like it's not that difficult purchasing insurance. You kind of just baseline what type of activities are you looking to do? How long are you going to be there? They ask you a couple of qualifying questions and they basically suggest one or two plans that might work, right? Like, is that how you guys generally? Yes, we do have preferred vendors that we work with, especially now. And we make sure that we um, talk with them to make sure that it's covering every type of insurance that's needed during COVID right now, when people are looking to travel. Um, because some that I would recommend in the past, you know, I did some conversation, I had some conversations with them and it was like, oh yeah, we got to the end and they're like, oh yeah, but we don't cover the hotel part. And you're like, oh, well, I'm not going to give you to my people because yeah, they, can't get um, they can't use that. It's not really great for them. Now they have to find another insurance company to cover that. So we try to make it as easy for our clients and we do the work so that you don't have to. So we'll, if we're recommending some uh, insurance to you, then we're recommending, um, we've already done the due diligence to make sure that they cover those things. Although you won't be booking it through us, we have faith in the fact that you're going to get all the insurance that you'll need. Okay. So for people that may be considering the whole digital nomad route, right. what are their options in terms of Costa Rica? And back for the travelers though, one more quick question. What are the, like the hotels looking like? Are they like uh, minimum capacity? Are they, you know, a certain level of, or is it like, cause you know how like we're phases here in the States right. and, certain phases, you can have a certain number of people. Is mm -hmm. anything similar to that happening over there? No, it, it, there's no, um, there's no restrictions. And I, and I believe it's because they were just so strict. I mean, they closed down the country for months, the board, the borders. Okay. Um, and so now they're, they're kind of running at full capacity for all their services. Um, and there aren't any, there aren't any capacities. The only thing that's happening is that a lot of the uh, hotels have either closed or they're looking for workers. Just like here, a lot of the workers during quarantine mm -hmm. went home to their home in villages and now they're starting to return. So they're trying to get um, workers back or even to reopen hotels that may have like closed down. So. So now that since you mentioned it, that makes it even better segue into people that would move over there for a digital lifestyle. Would it be possible 
have you, if someone wanted to say, be able to pick up part-time job, like at a hotel or at a restaurant while they were doing whatever digital work they do from, you know, the States, what type of visa is that? Is that included in whatever type of visa, like someone, or is it that they just are there on a tourist visa? I'll let you break that down. <laughs> so um, really, you know, on the books, you, it's very difficult, like, it's harder, not, it's not impossible for you to get a um, visa to work in Costa Rica, but unless like you're, it's, it's much easier for a retiree who's living off their pension um, to just get a visa, right? If you're going there to work or you're looking for part-time work, um, unless you're in like a position that Costa Rican citizens can't do like, let's say like a biochemist or like that there's a shortage kind of like here in the States where um, if your intellectual capacity, like that's what they're looking for, for these positions and they're having a hard time filling them with, with people here or there's a shortage or whatever. um, It's easier for you to get a work visa. Otherwise, you need to be either married, live there for five years. It's like a whole process that you need to go through just to be able to work there. can't get a visa to work there. I guess you just come over at, that's what, like a K-1 visa? Like fiance. So, yeah, something like that, similar. And also, I mean, there's this little trick that people have done. I'm not, listen, I'm not okaying it, but I know of people who did it, okay? Like, um, so people would go on a tourist visa and live there for years, just leaving the country for three days for 72 hours. And then you go back in and then you can, I've heard of them doing that for a long time. So that's something that you can do. I mean, people get jobs, you know, but citizenship is different. Like having that visa is different. Um, uh, but people do work. Mm-hmm. They may work like people who work here. Um, Right. Don't, who don't have visas. So that's pretty typical there. I mean, I have seen a lot of um, people who move there working at cafes and in the tourist towns and working at places like that. So it does happen. Right. It just may not be on the books. <laughs> um, <laughs> so how about someone who they didn't need to pick up, you know, or didn't have a desire to pick up side work, whatever. And they just wanted to go over there and do their job remotely. What are their options right now? Yeah, you can totally do that. Um, like I said, as you're going to be there for a while, and I think it's about three months or four months, um, then you need to then go cross over the border and come back. Okay. Um, and just to show that you've left and you're coming back. Um, but you know, the first time I went there, I went there with a one-way ticket. So, uh, they're not very strict on like, if you have that one-way ticket, um, and then just kind of, you, you can live out there as long as you have, like, I would say to be comfortable, you can live off of 1500 a month, but to be very comfortable, then 2000 a month, um, is, is, is really great. You'll you'll be good. That would not um, lodging, your food, your yeah, you know, basic necessities, basic necessities, and and people will rent to you that you can you can stay at Airbnbs or you can stay um, at like people are renting spaces, uh, so you can definitely stay at different spaces. 
uh, and we offer, um, I have a partner in Costa Rica who offers relocation services and she's a, Af she's a African-American woman who is from Texas and, and moved to Costa Rica. She's been living there for four years. So I always like tell people, look, if you're looking to move there, contact us and we'll get you with the right people on the ground um, to help you like relocate or to, to just live there if you want to be a digital nomad. Um, and it's, it's very easy to, to live in Costa Rica if you do have that. Uh, I don't know people's budgets. So like if you do have the least that baseline that you can live off of monthly, mm -hmm. then you should be fine. It's very safe. Um, it's very easy to get around, very easy to to send your things over. And there's already whole expat communities that are already set up in place. I'll ask you that next. Okay. Yeah. And would they be located? I would assume that for those that know about the southern coast, Caribbean coast of Costa Rica, that would be, I would assume that there's a, an expat community of Black people there. Um, it's actually starting to okay. get there. Um, for a long time, first of all, people didn't even know about it. Just like you, people are like, oh, it's too far to get there. Or they'll find out about it once they're in country. And then they may not go back to the country and experience it. Mm -hmm. Or they'll go back and then know about it. But um, it's getting a little bit of leeway. So like more African-Americans are starting to move there on that area instead of moving to the traditional like Pacific coast where a lot of the retirees have set up places. Right. Um, right. So it is a great time to move there uh, for African-Americans because a community is starting to get into place where it usually used to be primarily like Canadians and Europeans and like white Americans that were there. So it's really cool to see it kind of turning around. Okay. And okay. I want to say that more, it's a great time now to go there because the the country right before COVID has been doing a lot of um, work in the area to, to develop it. So there, there was a new highway that was created, making the travel time way easier. It used to take forever to get there and it was so yeah. hard. Like it the, the roads weren't paved and now they're paved. Um, that's a big difference because that's what I'd heard that it's over two hours to get there and it's not like a little bumpy. It's like wild bumpy. Like it's like very noticeable between a little and this is kind of getting right. uncomfortable at this point. Right. But now like that, that was created about a couple of years ago, a few years ago. So um it's a really nice ride it is gonna take you it is a it's a while from san jose it's about like a four and a half hour ride to puerto viejo it's absolutely worth it and that's where we specialize in getting um getting the caribbean coast on your itinerary so you're still going to be able to see the Arinal. you're still going to be able to see manuel antonio and all those things that you're that costa rica is known for right but we're still going to be able to fit that forgotten area into your itinerary and give you a whole a whole image of what Costa Rica is all about. Um, and, and get you there in in an itinerary that makes sense in a time that makes sense. Now do you have um, the option to do um, like say you wanted to experience more of the coast and then just do like a day in 
San Jose or in mm -hmm. you know, other areas? Is it an option to, um, or if you only want it like a day on the coast and you wanted to spend more time doing San Jose and other areas further um, north or wherever else, are, is that an option to stay in one region versus the other? Absolutely. We do have standard itineraries that we set up of like our, our best logistically um, run itineraries. But again, we are, we do customize and it is solely on like what our client's desires are. So if our client came to us and is like, look, I want to immerse myself in the Afro-Latin Latinx culture of Puerto Viejo, then we'll keep you in Puerto Viejo. And you're, you're, your bookends or the time that you're in San Jose will just be on that first and last night just to get you close to the airport in the time that you need to leave. Um, but the rest of the time you can spend like going to look at the canals and Tortuguero with, and seeing like Cahuita, which is another area um, of the Caribbean coast, highly um, steeped in like Jamaican culture and, uh, which I wanted to tell you a little bit about the history. I was that was um, really so okay. Right into it. Go ahead. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we we can totally customize that to your specific needs of what you're looking to to experience while in the country. So can you so can you speak to a little bit of the history because I know for one, I enjoy wherever I go to find some piece of the diaspora wherever possible. Yeah. Um, a lot of times I'm unable to necessarily catch the day where a certain tour may be available. Like it's only available on Thursdays and I'm here Monday through Wednesday. So I'm right. not going to make it. But a lot of times what I'll try to do is piece together little pieces of an itinerary from someplace else and say, okay, well, this is a location that's visited on this one, this location, and they're within three miles. So I'll figure it out on my own. Um, what about the history of Costa Rica for people that are going to travel re regardless of the region they may decide to step into or to stay in? If you could just give a broad, um, but I was just so girl, I was, mm -hmm. it had me stuck. I was like, right, me too. You know, black Costa Rican for one. Right. <laughs> and look at all of this history. So mm -hmm. look. Pass the torch, go. <laughs> so I just want to like touch base on what you said because it's very important to, to highlight what you just said. I think that um, what also sets us apart, Soul Life Travel, is that we take the work on top of the work that Black people and people of color are expected to do when they visit countries and they, they go on these tours, right? You're expected to be like the investigator of how to find your culture. Um, and that's what we want to take away. If, if that's what separates us, that's the main thing that we take the work off of you to have to find your people or to have to find, um, the diaspora. Uh, and, and that's what our goal is because I think, and, and, and I asked this during this whole black lives matter movement, right? George Floyd highlighted this travel companies are, are running around trying to figure out how to um, appease to this market, right? And, and they need to ask themselves, like in their marketing and their, in their itineraries, do we still have to do work? How committed are they to our story? And so that's what we do. That's how we separate ourselves from, from the machine. Um, and 
so to talk a little bit about the Afro Latinx culture, the Afro Caribbean culture in in Costa Rica, um, it's really interesting. So about three percent of the population in Costa Rica identify as um, Afro Caribbean Costa Rican, and they're primarily in the province of Limon. That that is in the scent that is in the Southern Caribbean that encompasses all these distinct areas where the black sand beaches are in Puerto Viejo and Manzanillo and Cahuita. Um, and many of the African people or the, the people that came there were enslaved by colonial Spaniards during that time. Mm -hmm. But here's where it changes and it's unique to other Latin American countries. The bulk of the black population or the Afro-Caribbean population came from the British West Indies and came from, the bulk came from Jamaica and they were free. They were free people looking for work. So that separated them from many of, and they came there in the, in the 1800s and that, that right there separated them from many of um, other communities in Latin America when it pertains to um, the black communities in those, in those countries. Uh, they came there to work on the coffee, like on, on the train. They were building a train in Costa Rica so that they could transport coffee from the central, uh, from the Puerto Viejo, or the Southern Caribbean, to the Central Valley, um, yeah. like the San Jose, Arenal area. Um, mm -hmm. And so they worked to build that railroad. And then they started working on banana plantations also. Um, they created communities, but they were in the in 1930s, the government put a congressional um, declaration that stated that they were not allowed to travel past that area, the Southern Caribbean. So even though they worked on these banana plantations and they worked on these railroads, once they got close to the Central Valley, they would have to get off of the train and allow white presenting or um, mestizo looking Costa Rica get on the train and finish the job. So they were they were they were kept in the south the Southern Caribbean. Um, in 1948, let me come right there and ask you a question. Yeah, you ever heard of this uh, the movie um, Palm Trees in the Snow? Yes. Was that in Costa Rica? Um, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. But I, I've heard of it. I need to watch it. I I haven't watched it, but I do need to. I don't think maybe it might be based on that area, though, in that time. Because as you're saying it, I'm like, this really feels like they were, I know they were on a banana plantation. Yeah. At a certain point, they were on She was unable to leave with I don't want to give the movie away, but it's just at a Yeah. Sounds like it. But. Yeah. So. Um, they were regulated to this particular area. And the, the thing about it is because they were regulated to that area and kind of forgotten, right? They were just stay in this area. They were able to really cultivate their and, and keep their Jamaican roots and keep a lot of their African um, culture as well. So things sprouted up like reggae, calypso. Um, the, the cuisine is different there. Like they use coconut milk instead of some of the other ingredients that you'll see in the Pacific coast. It's more Caribbean Rastafari culture 
um, in, in that area. And in 1948, um, President Leon, he, there was like a, a uh, war, a civil war or civil unrest. And he stated to them, to the, to the black people of the area, he said, you know, um, look, if you go with me, then I'll give you, you can, you can travel wherever. I'll give you full citizenship. And so they took that. They were like, okay, great. With a catch, because there's always a catch. Um, and the catch was that they were going to have to teach their children. Their children were going to have to learn Spanish because at that time they were, they were just speaking Patois. They were just speaking um, English. Uh, so they didn't really like that too much, but they went with it for the citizenship. And they still um, are fiercely protective of that Patois of that. So in that area, you're, you'll hear Patois mixed with like Spanish uh, also. Oh. Um, yeah, so that is their history. It's a very strong history. They're very fiercely protective over it. Um, and it's very unique than anywhere else in the country. And recently, the vice president of Costa Rica is an Afro, Afro-Caribbean woman from that area, which was like huge. That, that was um, never done before. And so a lot of the country is now looking at that area and it's been advertised firstly to the Costa Ricans or the Ticos and Ticas in Costa Rica, because mm -hmm. if you want to not go to somebody like my grandfather, may he rest in peace and say, we're going to the Caribbean. And he says, oh, there's crime. There's this, you have to change the narrative, right? So she's been very, um, influential and in changing that narrative narrative with the Costa Rican people um in in the area. Wow. That's big. I feel like it, yeah. it, it goes a long way to show that if you can fix like what would they say? Um don't throw stones when you live in a glass house kind of things. Like when you can work on the inside, it's it just makes you so much stronger, especially considering you're bringing all of these extra eyes and the attention on there. You want it to be like make the house a little more orderly if you can. Right. Cause I mean, it's not, but, but, and I say that to say, it's nice to see that people in a, a position of leadership care enough to do that work and to make it a big deal, like, to make it a thing, to make it a deal, as opposed to letting it fester on a, a firing bag of flamey shit, like, you know, right. right. You know I mean? it, it just speaks to that whole kind of like you were saying at your experience at your um your job where even though you have a person of color in a position they don't let you speak like they don't let you do mm -hmm. the work mm -hmm. so that feels good to see right and and it you know what i'm very proud of is that this happened before black lives matter mm. the movement right because i feel like a lot of um companies and a lot of places are now looking to amplify black voices which yes it needs to happen right but mm -hmm. it's like you you know i i love the fact that before this costa rica was doing that like and and not in a way that is divisive of like um just just in a way that's just normal like we need to love and appreciate um, this part of our culture that gave us so much mm -hmm. and 
and and that is that's what I think is um, really important. And it, it brings me great joy that like it, this has only happened in the last like five to ten years, really. Like this is not this is not some old. This is just very very new in its infancy. But to talk to younger Costa Ricans that work in the tourism industry and work at the tourism board, and and talk to them and and say, hey, you know, my business is in Puerto Viejo, and they're like. Oh my God, that's my favorite part of, of Costa Rica, right? That is huge because for so long, and you know, I get emotional because the reason also that I'm doing this work is my grandmother was born in, in Limon mm-hmm. and she carried on the shame of being born in that area for her whole life. Um, and I wanted to, for full circle, bring Limon, something that she could be proud of, that area of Limon province that she could be proud of and and show her that, you know, this area is is one of the most beautiful places in Costa Rica. Um, So it's like a personal project for me and and to break these like generational curses in my own family and um, do it and bring it all together, like bring my black side to Costa Rica to show them and to show Costa Ricans to be proud of their blackness as well. And that, that is like, that's why I do the work. <laughs> that's a good as hell enough reason for me. Yeah. It sounds like you're doing a really, really good job with it. Thank you for doing that as, especially as a traveler that enjoys experiencing black culture, like wherever I go. Right. So where can the people find you? Okay, so um, you can follow me on our IG at Soul Life Travel. Um, that's S O U L L I F E Travel, and then um, you can find me. My personal page is Travel Like Sadie. In case you want to see like where I've been, um, and then our website is SoulLifeTravel.net. So it's SoulLifeTravel.net. www.SoulLifeTravel.net, and we'd love to. Um, help you with relocation services or to visit the country and to, to hear more about the Buddha Vida life. Yeah. <laughs> that, listen, I, yes. <laughs> yeah, I will agree. That's just like a life of ease. And I got to say, I enjoy a life of ease. And it didn't feel, as a New Yorker, I was expecting it to kind of just be like annoying. In yeah. a sense, and it wasn't at all. Yeah. At all. I Did I, you feel sad when you were leaving? I felt like there was so much more that I hadn't been able to explore. Like I knew that I had gotten like outside of San Jose, but I didn't feel like I really got to explore. Like I know that's another thing. Like that was one of the first trips that I'd taken. So yeah. I was still staying like at hotels and resorts and the hotel that I stayed at, while not like a bad hotel, like I felt like I had to like advocate for myself because like what I saw on Expedia wasn't what I got. And so, okay, so no, this isn't what I booked. Thank you, but I want what I'm paying for. Right, right. Then like bought me to another room and it wasn't exactly it, but it was better and it was just like, okay. And then there was construction and then I felt like, I really want to walk around, but it just felt kind of like isolated where it was so much like hilly space that I'd have to walk to to get to. Right. I think that for me in my mind, I'm not as um, 
aware of the environments per se that hotels are in. And when I'm looking at Airbnbs, I'm specifically looking at commentary from people like what was the area like? And then like, how does the host describe what's going on? And I'm looking at pictures. And I mean, that's just a lot of my own doing where I could pay that more um, amount of attention to looking mm -hmm. at what hotels are. But I remember specifically when I left thinking like, damn, I didn't even get to like wander around. Like I didn't like walk around. Like I, I feel like I'm still missing so much, right. missing out so much. And I so it really sounds like you need to go on a soul life travel tour and uh, travel stay. with us. and Absolutely stay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we can fill in those gaps and, and, and let you have a trip that, you know, you feel that you have really experienced like the true Costa Rican way. Yeah. And yeah. Um, we would love to give you that, that gift of that. Or to loop back. Just yeah. on that black sand beach. Yes. Somebody's black ass yoga. Mm -hmm. Somebody's black ass house. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. So guys, if you, as always, check the um, episode descriptions. You can find everybody's Instagram. You can find links to merch, to past episodes, to travel resources, and um, to all content and information, signing up to the newsletter. Of course, we'll let you know when there's a new episode and um, all that jazzity jazz. But remember, guys, travel is more than vacation. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Buena vida. <laughs>